This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Andy Loves Art House, episode number 11. A subset series of the podcast Under the Stairs where we challenge our special guest host to fall in love with a genre of cinema that he has, well, safe to say, a passing interest. And we have got close, we've got tantalisingly close on some of our movie selections, but have yet to... 11 episodes in, well, this might be the the change, but 10 episodes in, have yet to hear the words, I love this movie. Maybe this week will bring joy to my ears. We'll find out. Joining me on the show is the star of this series, is my very good friend, Mr. Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? Oh, mate. How are you doing? We're uh, we're adhering to social distancing rules, aren't we? (laughs) Just a bit. 300 miles away. (laughs) Oh man! Anyway, it's pretty fucking mental. Like it's, uh, we're still in lockdown. I didn't think we would be when I spoke to you last. Yeah, I, it kind I, of just uh, just started, hasn't it? Yeah, I kind of thought the same as you. I thought uh, this will course correct. People will see like see too much money going places that they don't want it to go, um, and will you know push people back out. And that did not happen <laughs> like at all so yeah still still in lockdown but um you were just telling me off air uh you've went from being like incredibly hands-on and productive to uh, essentially a, a a movie watcher um uh, what, what's yeah. been what's been floating your boat recently fucking I've, I've been watching so much stuff honestly like probably <laughs> four or five films a day <laughs> so, um Loads of foreign stuff, actually. I um, I watched the Vengeance trilogy. Realising oh, nice. I only ever seen, only ever watched Old Boy. Oh man, we've just covered it recently on on Teapot. So okay, yeah, um, they're really good in their own way, aren't they? Oh. Like they're um, like just none of them. There's no cliches in any of them. It's all everything like fucking rocks the boat, whatever what you expect mm-hmm. from from a revenge film, and who who you think's going to get the revenge. And yeah, really, really good. Um, and I. Well, I'm trying to think of just the ones that I thought were really good. I watched um, The Day the Earth Stood Still. I've never watched that. Is it any good? The original. It's fucking great. It's really good. I think I remember like switching off the um, Keanu Reeves one about half an hour <laughs> and saying, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and it kind well, of uh, put, put me off. Um, and basically, I was watching the Rocky Horror Show for about the gajillionth time. <laughs> And I kind of thought I should probably check out the films that he sings about in the opening song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I had seen most of them, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, and, and Day of the Earth Stood Still, I thought, yeah, I haven't fucking seen that. Michael Rennie was ill the day the Earth Stood Still, and I checked that out. Um, and it's really fucking good. I'll give it like a, probably a, a nine out of ten. Oh, that's, like, high for, that's high for really a lot, Fucking 
superb just really fucking simple um mm-hmm. but just the dialogue in it is just fucking great and it's really intriguing because you don't really know what's going on especially as i haven't seen the remake um i think it's only like an hour and a half yeah um, but really fucking good and then i uh, based on the fact that I, that was really good i blind bought forbidden planet that i've never seen on oh wow um <laughs> So that's probably going to get watched tomorrow. Um, I watched uh, both seasons of Sabura and then I watched the film. All right. Uh, the film is fucking great, but it basically closes everything off to the point where there could never possibly be a TV show <laughs> after the film. <laughs> so they obviously never had any intention of doing that. So like all the people in it, you kind of think, well, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, they're not, they are the same characters played by the same people, but it's, it's fuck all to do with the series. Like, there's no follow on or anything like that. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is the same with Gamora because I think there's a good four years between that starting and the film. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Which I've also started as well, Gamora. I've written about four episodes and that's really fucking good. Yeah. Um, not as, I'm not as, I'm not as into it as Sabora yet, but obviously I'm, I'm only four episodes in. So it'd be interesting to see if, uh, if it's as compelling. Um, yeah, my best like... friend raves about that. He's been raving about Gamora for for since it came out, and I think he, if memory serves, I think he was like that. You know, first season's good, but then it just takes off, like it completely takes off, and he, he swears yeah. by it, absolutely swears by it. So yeah, I'm uh, quite excited because we've got a good four four seasons. Because Sabora ended on just a massive, fucking amazing cliffhanger in season mm-hmm. two. Like it's gonna fucking go off in season three, um, so obviously got to wait like whatever it is nine months or whatever. So I'm like, oh fuck, all right, well, let's watch Gamora. That'll that'll you know keep Fill us tied over for yeah. a bit. Fill the gap. Um, what else have I watched that is really fucking good? And I tell you what, I watched it was terrible. Ryan, it's no surprise. I've just been watching like generic, uh, like British action films, and they're so fucking generic, honestly. <laughs> like they're so wank, most of them. Like it, it was annoying me just how shit and fucking cookie cutter they are. Yeah, it's a shame because there's some good people in quite a few of them. Like I watched one with um, Scott Adkins in, and he's really good in this one called Avengement. That's got some fucking amazing fight scenes. Uh-huh. And then I watched this one called Triple Threat, and I think it had like Tony Jaa, it had the fella from the Raid, you know, Iki uh, Iko Uwe. Yeah, he's in it. Tony Jaa and Scott Adkins. I thought oh, this would be good. It's fucking awful, man. <laughs> Rach just Rach just quit on it when I'm done with this. Like Michael Bisping's in it, and he oh, just makes me... yeah, I've, I've seen the trailer for this. Yeah, it's it's really wank. Like there's a couple of good fight scenes, but it's like there's, that's the thing with these action films. The fight scenes tend to be really good, but they're not. Then it's just it's not worth it though. Like a five, like I don't know, a three or five minute fight scene in a ninety minute film doesn't make the ninety minute film worth watching for me. Yeah. This is just other stuff that's got, you know, as good a fight scenes. At one point, a character in it calls it Composition 4 <sighs> instead of C4. And I just fucking cracked <sighs> up because I thought, I don't know, it was like the director trying to flex in, like, going, oh, yeah, I know this, I know what the C stands for in C4. Yeah. Like, he went, and the only reason I knew what he was talking about is because he went, yeah, there's enough Composition 4 there to blow the thing sky high. And I thought, <laughs> nobody says that. <laughs> Imagine if I went, Duncan. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna come and see you uh, the weekend. I'm gonna, I'll probably go down Motorway One. Can you take that route? Like nobody says that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go to London. Probably take Motorway Twenty Five. Yeah. Uh, you know. 
the thing is, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, like a story doesn't like when you talk about the the day the earth stood still. A story doesn't have to be complicated. You know what I mean? It just Thanks. like dialogue. It just has to be compelling and well written. And the the mm. reason like movies like the Raid, for example work is there is he and it's not just because they're crammed with action but there's a compelling story there and even if the dialogue isn't there sometimes you don't you don't need characters saying anything to propel a story forward and i think right. sometimes people will get lost in this idea that they're going to be the next quentin tarantino um mm. and as a result of that like shite dialogue comes out but, but do you know what dude right tony jar isn't a very good actor when he's speaking his native language. Yeah. <laughs> so when he's speaking English, <laughs> fucking hell. We were laughing. We were literally laughing out loud at how bad the like the, the, the interplay between him and the raid fella. Because yeah. one of them's Indonesian, yeah. the other one's from Thailand. You know, for a fact, neither of them understand what they're saying. They're literally <laughs> just reading lines. So like, it's like me like talking to you in a different language and you don't really understand the language. You're just repeating words that you've got written down in front of you. Like it's not a conversation, is it's it? It's a jowl, <laughs> isn't it? That's what it is. It's a jowl yeah. you've got like seven different yeah. actors from different parts of the world all, yeah. and they're all going to be overdubbed anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, mental. And so and let's, uh, just while we're talking about the, the raid, um, mm-hmm. The, the Gareth Evans thing that I've, I don't know if you've watched it yet or not. I have. I, I swear it's on my. I know every time I see it's on my list. A small party dies and an angel loses. Yeah, only first right. I only get proper livid about it because it's like you're one of the few people that's as passionate about films and stuff as me. I know. And I just and I just want to talk to you about stuff. Like I, I would just want to talk to you about like the Kingdom and this is England. Is it as good as the internet has made it out to be? Right. Story wise, no. Right. Um, I think something like Sabora and even Gamora four episodes in are far more compelling. Yeah. It's a very generic storyline. Um, there are a few twists and turns and stuff, but to be honest, like it's it's the action scenes and the ridiculous level of Gareth of like Gareth Evans violence. Mm-hmm. That I thought was going to be like a real, like dark, disturbing level of violence when I was reading the the uh, reviews of people going, "Oh fucking hell!" It's like you, you've never seen violence like it, and it's like you've never seen violence like it if you haven't seen the raid films. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen the raid films, you've seen four and a half hours of violence just like that. But like, there's a scene in episode one where like a guy just fucking storms a pub, and it is mental. Like. Honestly, it's fucking crazy. Like, it, it, it's, it's, it is just like the, the sort of stuff you see in the raid, but he's like fucking smacks a guy in the, in the mouth. He fucking rams an ashtray in a guy's mouth mm-hmm. and then fucking smashes his face on the bar. Jesus <laughs> like... Christ. <laughs> but it's all done so fast. He's not doing it in like, it doesn't make you wince because that's the beginning of about a three and a half minute thing of him just fucking going through this pub this fucking he like he stabs a guy in the fucking back of the head with a dart and it comes out his fucking cheek it's <laughs> it's just insane like i had to wind it back and my fucking jaw was on the floor it's it's fucking amazing and obviously they're the like you can tell the episodes where gareth evans is because he doesn't direct them all mm-hmm. and then like there's fucking there's there's some like uh, scenes of like people going wild like with machine guns and stuff and like it's like you know the end of Rambo 4 when yes. people are literally exploding it's like that 
<laughs> but like much better CGI, far more convincing, like special effects, and just people just getting fucking annihilated by these massive fucking like machine guns, and oh, it's it's insane. Honestly, there's something like every episode has got something like that in every single one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a good story. It's just like the the. It, 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 the 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 amazing like fight choreography and fight scenes basically carry carry it for me. Yeah, like it wouldn't. I don't think anyone would be talking about it if if they weren't in there. It'd just be another very generic London gangster type thing. Really, nothing to write home about. But the fact that it's got Gareth Evans and just yeah, I mean the fight scene. Unfortunately, I don't think for me the, they ever top the fight scene that happens in episode one because right. it's just fucking next level. Like I videoed it and sent it to my mate, and he was just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> no, man, you've, got, like, you've got to see it. Um, but yeah, it's well worth watch. I think you'll, I think you'll just fucking race through it because um, yeah, it's it is just really compelling because you're just fucking wondering what the hell you're gonna see next, mm-hmm. like. And then like a whole fucking new bunch of characters all, all turn up, and you think, right, well they're all fucking like. That's just cannon fodder. This is yeah. brilliant. <laughs> these, <laughs> you know these, I mean? these are the red shots. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, pretty pretty fucking cool, man. I'll, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what you think. It, like just after that episode one, I think you'll be texting me going, "Jesus, I had to wind." <laughs> yeah, but you'll you'll wind it back like three or four times, I think, and watch it. It's just three minutes of absolute fucking carnage. It's awesome. I mean, me and the me and the wife are about to finish uh, the TV show that we are currently watching. So. Uh, and What's I'm, that? Uh, we're currently watching Dead to Me. I don't know if you. No. Never. Oh man, I, I absolutely love it. Um, it's Netflix, so this is season two. That's out just now. I, I mean, okay. you, it's another TV show you'll breeze right through. Um, yeah. I'd say uh, Christina Applegate. Uh, it's Christina okay. Applegate, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, who's like the main actress, and we join her just after basically in the wake of her husband died uh, in a hit and run and she's she's trying to attend like therapy and stuff and whatnot. she's got two boys at home she's got anger issues uh, and whatnot and she meets this really weird woman at therapy uh, and uh, kind of invites the woman to you know, the more she gets to know her the more this woman became, becomes kind of like a crutch to her um, okay and you know they become best friends and moves her in and uh, maybe this woman is uh, is befriending her through some level of guilt and I will say no more uh, okay, it's, cool. it's, like a, it's a dark comedy it's very very funny some of the sequences are very dark like in terms of humour and what they are covering Okay. in terms of grief and loss but the first season it was one of these weird oddities that popped up last year on Netflix breezed right through it really quick um, like Will Ferrell's a producer on it you know like okay. it's, it's like it's you know like there's that comedy element but it's not I wouldn't say it's like a comedy comedy it's, it's got a, a dark sense of humour and um, I just assumed it would be a, like a one and done um, okay and then they did set up with a bit of cliffhanger and apparently did really well on, on Netflix. So season Did you two. ever watch Hair? Not Hair, I'm not about. Um, oh fuck, is it Hair? What's the one with the guy where he basically stalks the woman and gets her to go out with him? Oh, you? I've not seen that. You. Is it, yeah, is it, is it bad? It looked kind of no, cringy. It's, no, it's great. Is it? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a really good. Like, me and me and Rachel like watched it over like, the first season when it came out over Christmas. Just like nailed it in a couple of days, and then the next one came out. Well, I didn't think it was going to be a second season. Yeah. I didn't know where they'd go with it. And yeah, and the second season's really fucking good as well. It's got a real Dexter vibe to it. Yeah, because I, I remember seeing the trailer for it and and thinking I like the concept, but you know, you know what these things are like. Sometimes they can, you know, they portray themselves to be a bit darker and edgier than they are, and then you watch it, and ultimately they're a bit too. Twee, you know what I mean? No, I like it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. twisted. Like I didn't fancy it at all. Like the premise of it just sounded a bit wank. Yeah. Um, and then like Rachel, I think watched like the first couple, and then I, I was like, it's really fucking good. And then like we sort of, like, I watched the first two and caught up, and then we carried on. And yeah, it's I, I fucking really liked it actually. Yeah. See, it's everything... weird, isn't it? These things just like are, like going to obscurity on Netflix. Like they're on the front, like, they're on the front page for like a couple of days, and, and then, then they're just gone. Yeah, there's so much stuff in rotation. Never hear from them again. Yeah, so much stuff in rotations. It's really difficult to like. God knows how many documentary series have been released by them recently oh, God, as well. You'd never even fucking know about it, would you? Yeah, and I'm I'm I keep I'm like I take a screen grab and I'm like I need to remember to watch that. And then I'll be like three weeks later going back through deleting photos from my phone, trying to clear up some space, and then. Um, I'll come across like, why did I screen grab that? Oh yeah, I was going to watch that on Netflix. And Is that then, what you do? Yeah, take a picture. That's a good idea. Always like that. My yeah. like, I have like, I probably have more screen grabs than actual photos on my phone. <laughs> like okay. it's the only way I remember things, but then I forget to check them, which is my have downfall. You, have you seen the new thing by Justin Roiland? No. Um, yeah, it's not bad actually. It's obviously everyone's comparing it to Rick and Morty because it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it is good I mean you just have to watch it in its own right and not think that, is it going to be like Rick and Morty because it is nowhere fucking near as good as Rick and Morty yeah. but neither is 95% of it yeah yeah <laughs> most, most of what's out there is not as good as Rick and Morty so yeah that's what I mean it's a weird thing like when people start comparing it and it's like you know it's like comparing everything to fucking Hannibal or yeah. you know, Breaking <laughs> Bad or whatever you know it, or in, insert your the, you know your favourite TV show here sort of thing and going mm. oh, it's not as good as that and it's like well of course it's not because that's one of the best best things you've ever seen in your life mm-hmm. um but it is pretty good i raced through like i think it's only about eight episodes um and it's great because there's like a main plot and then there's like a subplot um and some of the episodes just completely focus on like this other world kind of subplot thing and they're probably the best ones it's um it's definitely worth a watch i mean my only worry is that he's spreading himself maybe a bit thin because I kind of there's, there's some jokes in there that you kind of think well that joke would have been really funny in Rick and Morty almost yeah. like it's a waste that that joke have you seen the new episode of Rick and Morty that people I've, are whinging about because of the 9-11 thing I, I, haven't, I haven't seen any of the new season at all um, and I can't I can't wait to sit down and like binge right through it but at yeah. this stage if at this stage if Rick and Morty are doing something about 9-11 and that's what's upsetting people then I mean, it's a fucking... thing is, I just think, I don't know if it's just clickbait, because the thing is, like, it's a very self-referential thing at 9-11 where they actually look at each other and go, should we do a 9-11 joke now? What's the point? Sort of yeah. thing. I don't know, man. Like, because Rachel like, sent me this thing going, oh, apparently people are whinging about Rick and Morty, and it's like, all right, and I kind of explained it to her, and she was like, oh... It's almost, I don't know what people are fucking moaning about. Like, say, if if you, it's not it's not Rick and Morty fans because that was the headline. Rick and Morty fans are outraged at nine eleven joke, and I think I, I, I don't think anyone that's a fan of Rick and Morty would be outraged yeah. by that joke because it's not having a go at anyone to do that's died in nine eleven. It really isn't. It's like everything's a satire. Do you know what I mean? It's, exactly. It's almost, it, it, 
it's like when people like accuse like Ricky Gervais of being racist in his shows, and it's like he's not being racist; he's poking fun at people that are racist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Context. And it's like, yeah, yeah I mean. totally context. And it's like Rick and Morty aren't taking the piss out of nine eleven; they're basically having a dig at. Yeah, you know, you know how they do it. That show's too clever to do something stupid like that. Right? Of course, of course. I'm like, I've been, ca- I, I was um, for for a while there. I was a uh, catch up. I'm like about maybe seven, eight seasons behind on South Park, uh, which I do genuinely love. God, I've not seen that for fucking years. Oh, and it's not lost any of its bite. <laughs> oh Is it not? No. Okay. Oh, it was a whole season. Oh, it was a whole like they, they do massive story arcs now. And the okay. seasons, and oh my god! And it was basically, um, it was their version of the the Trump Clinton election, um, okay. but as Mister Garrison uh, is essentially right. Trump uh, by by accident. Um, but people, like, the, the 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 kind of main villain of the whole thing is J.J. Abrams <laughs> because of him okay. bringing back. Star Wars, but only really bringing back Star Wars as like a remake of the original right. run, uh, and then they keep making these joke about uh, these berries that people are eating called member berries. Oh, um, so I think I've seen that episode. I remember. Yeah, but are they for the whole season like that? Yeah. Remember Chewbacca? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> remember, remember that time we flew the X wing? Oh yeah, I remember. All the way right through, and it's like. But the things they weave into about, you know, kind of hipster culture, um, kind of liberals versus, you know, conservatives, like just, and no one's safe. And I I think that's like, I got to end up, I was like, fucking hell, like to be that long in to a show and still be like totally on the cusp of pure satire just like absolutely annihilates me and I'm I'm catching up I fly through them some of them are are throwaway episodes and others are so so perfect like some of the characters have introduced and and moved on just absolutely brilliant and I mean you have to take it for what it is and Mm. and like I say context is key if Ricky Gervais is being accused of something let's hear the whole joke not just yeah. the excerpt, because once you hear it in the, the context of what he says, that's what sets up the joke. So, mm. I, there's a, a, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. A lot of these things are, you know, it's all clickbait. It's people are outraged. Who are these people? You know, yeah, like you, one one person's out. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so fucking meaningless now. I don't, like, I don't any know. like any advert like that. Do you know, I saw um like the one that absolutely made me fucking piss the other day because my fucking like laptop just like defaults to this like news fucking thing when you go onto the homepage. Mm-hmm. Can't seem to like change it to Google. It just seems to default back to just like a fucking like page of st- news stories. And one of them was um, Tom Selleck still with his partner after. I don't know. I don't know. Seventy-five years old, and he's still with his partner. And it was a picture of him with a man. Yep. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I never knew he was gay. And like, and, and I didn't click it because I thought, first of all, it doesn't matter. But like, I thought, I'm not. It's not going to get the better of me. But I had to go and check. <laughs> and I wasn't. And I, but, but, but you know, I wasn't checking to see if Tom Selleck was gay. I was checking to see if it was clickbait. Yeah. It, and and he's not. He's not gay. He's, he's married to a woman and has been for ages. But yep. I just thought that's mental. Like. Obviously, they're not saying that he is gay. They're just saying that he's been with his same partner for how many years and he's with a picture of a man smiling together. <laughs> and it's like, that's just to make you click on it. I fucking know, I didn't know he was gay. Yeah. So, oh, 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 he's not gay. Oh, but I've already clicked it now. And whoever gets paid for me clicking to that has just been paid for it. Yeah. And I just think that's, it's crazy that they, 
know, it's, like it's, they're not. It, it's, <laughs> it's just so irrelevant, isn't it? But I don't like what, who, why? I don't really understand the setup that someone gets paid for someone to click yeah. on that. I, I, I always, I always imagine it as being like in Ghostbusters. We got one. <laughs> it <laughs> is. <laughs> Totally, yeah. I mean, they well, they probably make what twenty p or something off of that. But you know, for if fucking twenty thousand people click it, yeah. And I just thought, God, I don't know what world we're in now. We're like, we're it's just like pretending that an old movie star is gay just to make twenty p. It's, it's like it's like um, it's one of my my favorite Bill Hicks sketches. Is like if anyone in here works in marketing, kill yourself. <laughs> Like, yeah. like, it's, it's like there's no, no no joke here no joke here if you work in marketing kill yourself uh, yeah, like, it's, it's a favor. Uh, because that's what it is the world is the world is controlled by marketers um, yeah. that is literally that is literally how we are John Carpenter's they live becomes more real every single fucking day yeah, I mean, you've, all, you've probably seen the little fucking video meme of him taking his glasses off and seeing the, like, stay alert. Yeah. NHS that takes his glasses off and it's like, if pensioners die, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> Puts the glasses back on. Yeah. But, yeah, it couldn't be more... I it's, 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 uh, yeah, it was be right. more relevant. I mean, have you seen, like, the analysis videos of, of it now? Like, yeah. if, uh, you know, they've obviously changed the colour from red to green. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, on, the onus is now on you to stay alert. Use your common sense. So, obviously, mm-hmm. if any, basically now, if everyone starts to get the virus, the government can go, well, you're not using your common sense, then are you? Yeah. You know, a bit like fucking Jacob Rees-Mogg saying, <sighs> Peter. And I'll tell you what, I saw, like, I can't really put it now, but someone put like an excerpt of obviously Jacob Rees-Mogg and what he said about having common sense but he's not allowed he's not really had anything to do with this whole coronavirus thing and it said imagine imagine even being too toxic for this yeah I know (laughs) (laughs) even though they won't even let Jacob Rees-Mogg near it because he's just too it's like no you, yeah. you are too much of a cunt even for this (laughs) yeah he's, he's, he's currently he's currently sitting in a room just now fucking velcro tied to a chair with like a big yeah. bit of parcel just, tape over just, his mouth. And I was saying to Rach about like Jacob Rees-Mogg, it's like I don't even think he's necessarily like this this villainous human being. I think he is he's so legitimately believes that basically people like you know middle class people and below are just a different, you know, they're like animals mm. and they don't matter. Like yeah, I just think he's He's just fucking mental case. Like, he's just deluded, isn't he? He literally... You know, like how, obviously, you know... Like how... I think we've talked about it before. Like how in uh, Korea, you know, they they think nothing of torturing a dog to death and eating it. They literally, like... Mm -hmm. They they just... They just disjoint, you know. That's they just don't see it as a, as any kind of a creature with any kind of value. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what Jacob Rees-Mogg thinks of humans <laughs> like, that aren't in his like you know money circle or you know. It's it's, it's 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 a it's a, a cultural way of being brought up. It's a complete <laughs> disconnect. Um, and to be honest with you, like you you are you you're right. He from his perspective, anything he says. You know, I don't think he sees the the weight or the horror of what he says. Um, it's just it's what he believes, and the the, the tragedy is that um, people like him are elected by people like him uh, who have exactly the same thoughts, exactly the same feelings, and you know are cut from the same cloth. It's it's uh, 
it's it's a weird little disconnect, but yeah, um, like I am thinking less than like trying to like have more empathy for these people in charge. Like I still think they're cunts, but I just think like I don't know if they're like you know necessarily like evil people. Like I don't mm-hmm. think like Donald Trump is an evil bloke. He's just a twat. Like he's, you know, yeah. like he's he's yeah. just fucking not. He's just mentally unhinged. Yeah, and, it, and it's and I don't you know I don't know if he can even feel sorry for that. Because it's just, you know... I he don't didn't want that what, job. What, he did not want that job. Like, he fucking didn't want to have it. The fact <laughs> that he plays golf every day. Yeah, like, it's, like, like the mean? evidence is there. Anyone that worked in his campaign said that they, they genuinely thought when he got into the position of actually running for the office that he was... Out. Yeah, it, well, they thought that they would get a bit of attention and then the idea was to start his own TV channel. Basically okay. to rival uh, Fox, like he's on news yeah. and all the rest, with a pre-built-in audience that would just okay. carry over with him, and right. then he won it. <laughs> he's like, shit, <laughs> what, what do I do? And it's why like negative comments towards him like upset him so much because all the guy, all the guy wants is good ratings and people to say that. He's, you know, he's a good businessman and all the rest. Uh, when if he's you, not, have you seen that amazing clip, right? Of him basically talking about how people have different opinions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know, some people love so and so. He's like, and some people hate. And I think he says some people love me, and some people hate people. Like he literally yeah. can't bring himself <laughs> to even like mention the fact that, that some people might not agree with what he says. And he literally, you can see him pause. He's about to go, and some people don't agree with people yeah he's <laughs> he's, he's just... it's, 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 it's tragic but at the same time it's like it's tragic but at the same time that's why you don't you don't just you, that's why voting is like without going on a rant on this because uh, we do have a movie to discuss um but that's why are it's we important. recording <laughs> yeah we are totally recording my friend <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a this feels like a preamble for doing the nasty um yeah. So like it's been a while since we went on a, our gargantuan rant, but it's, yeah. it's, that's why it's important, uh, and that's why you don't vote for people with one issue, because people with one issue only have interest in that one issue, and you know no balance for anything else. And when a global pandemic hits, they are ill-equipped to do fuck all about it, because mm. it's never anything they've even had to measure out as a multi-tiered policy. It's always that one thing, that populist thing that that you run on and you think if you can get that done you're seen as being a success but yeah. you know when things I mean, I will, start to I will fall say, apart, um, I will say in his defence you know how everyone's banging on about him saying about injecting disinfectant yeah he never said that <laughs> no he didn't he didn't fucking say that like yeah. I've like and, and it's weird because somebody sent me a video laughing at it mm-hmm. and even in the video you can see that he didn't say that no. you know what I mean it's not it, like it he didn't say that. No. He was basically on... This is the problem, right, with what Trump does. Trump doesn't do all of his research because I don't think he's smart enough to retain the information. I think he's actually getting to the point where he's losing his marbles a little bit. So mm-hmm. instead of, like, fully researching what he needs and then getting up on a stage and presenting that in an eloquent, like, calm manner, he basically gets on stage with the people that are meant to know what he's talking about. And then he literally, he keeps looking at him going, is this right? Is what I'm saying yeah. right? What, yeah. what, what was it you told me again earlier? So hang on a minute. So what are we doing? And it's a terrible, terrible fucking way to address people. And it's because he does it off the cuff, isn't it? He's yeah. not scripted. He just kind of like, just turns up and fucking does what he wants. 
And basically, he was just asking the guy, what was that thing you were saying about disinfecting something about inject? What, what was it you were saying? Yeah. That's basically what he said. But the fact that like the entire media and loads of fucking people that I know that I thought were smarter than that are sending me videos, you know, fucking Donald Trump saying about it. And it's like, he didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, it gets, like, it's annoying me now to the point where Donald Trump says enough dumb shit, you don't have to lie and make stuff up. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's saying enough dumb shit anyway. You don't have to start making like lies up about yeah. him. You can, like, make, you, can make li- you can make library books, you know, or you can have a library of, the of books. Shit, yeah. yeah, of the stupid shit that he said. I mean, yeah. I've seen like compilation videos and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, you don't need to fucking like. It's when, it's when, it's when he says and, something, though, and then he's clocked at it five minutes later and he just point blank refuses. That he said it, and say that. Like he, he it's amazing, here. really. It's amazing that. that he can, but he gets away with it, and, and they does. just move on. It's unbelievable. <laughs> of course he does, because right. no one, no, we're all predisposed to have like fucking five second attention span, Andy. Um, yeah. You know, it's the it's the, the the cause and effect. You know, like of of you know. So I, I've said it before. I, um, in fact, I saw a great demonstration of it uh, when I used to work beside someone who was in politics, and what he said to me was, "75 uh, percent of what a politician does is body language, um, and 25 percent is what they say." So if I stand here, and he gave me a great example of, I can't remember that's the thing. I can't even remember what he said, but it was it was something completely ludicrous. But the way he was moving his hands, his body language, and nodding, making eye contact, and all the rest, and at the end, he's like that. So what did I say wrong? And I was like, eh, and he's like, all of it. Like, everything I told you was just a complete lie. It was factually inaccurate. But he goes, I don't have to win over everyone in a room. All I have to do I is bam- win. I bamboozled you there with my, my yeah. body language. <laughs> but in that room, all he has to do is, you know, if there's a room of 20 people, you don't have to win all 20 people over. You have to walk in there understanding that of those 20 people, you know, some of them are not going to trust you anyway. But if you are confident that, you know, self-assured and whatnot, then that, that, that carries... The weight. Now it's a tactic I've been trying unsuccessfully on Andy Loves Art House because you've still to say that you love a movie. Uh, and I, I well, put we're it not in the, the same room, you see. Yeah, so I put I it down to the fact you. it's audio. It's audio. That's that's what it is. Yeah, only. Yeah, audio only. Um, switching to something more filmic because uh, I'm sure people loved that bits of bands. Uh, we have a movie which I kind of flung in as a. This is the oldest one we've covered actually. Um, mm. This might be that actually the oldest movie that me and you have ever reviewed together. Um, now that I'm thinking about it, it's 1965. It is a repulsion. It's by a controversial man uh, in his own right, um, the the beast they call Roman Polanski. Um, we're going to be talking about this movie. It's technically his first in what would be known as a, a spiritual trilogy called the Apartment Trilogy. This movie yeah. would be followed up with Rosemary's Baby, which would come a couple of years later. And a couple of years after that, he did The Tenant, which is the concluding part. But this is where it all starts. Um, and this one's this one's a bit of a weird one, and I'm really looking forward to chatting about it. So we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Repulsion from 1965. When we return, myself and Andy Blockley will be talking, well, we'll be talking, discussing, and dissecting the movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight. 
the new podcast cure all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper Paul Romali and the odd guest host Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Young, beautiful, desirable. Men found her irresistible. (laughs) Repulsion, a frightening film that takes the everyday world and distorts it, taking you inside the mind of a girl driven to insanity. No other film has ever shown with such intense reality the terrifying journey into madness. I want to be, to be with you all the time. In the attractive body of this beautiful girl throbs the mind of a killer. Carol Ledoux, possessed by the nightmare world of her sensual fantasies. Now the horrors from her twisted mind spill over into Poor little girl. All by herself. All shaking like a little frightened animal. Come on. Come on. Just, just a little kiss between the fence, huh? Come on. Now the nightmare terror from the depths of her imagination erupts into the solid world of every day. And fact and fantasy are fused in a frantic fury of repulsion. Welcome back. So let's do it. Uh, this is Repulsion from 1965. You just heard the trailer. This is directed by Roman Polanski. It is based on the original screenplay by Roman Polanski and Gerard Brack. The movie itself stars Catherine Denevu, Ian Hendry, John Fraser, Yvonne Furneaux, Patrick Weimark, Rennie Houston, Valerie Taylor, James Villers. Helen Fraser, Hugh 
<laughs> future. Uh, Monica Merlin and Imogen Graham. The synopsis for this one is a sex repulsed woman who disapproves of her sister's boyfriend sinks into depression and has horrific visions of rape and violence. Uh, that's, yeah, that kind of happens in the movie ish. Sums it up. Kind of, yeah, ish, ish. Um, Andy, right, so let's, let's, let's kind of, let's. Jump back. You've seen Rosemary's Baby before. Seen that one. Seen them both. All three now. Um, oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know. Did we not? I'm sure we talked about uh, the... What's the other one called? The Tenant. Yeah, I'm sure we talked about that. I, I thought that was fucking great, actually. I yeah. really enjoyed that He's one. really... Um, get, like The fact that he's in the central role as well. You know, I don't consider Roman Polanski an actor. Um, no. The fact he directed that, plus plays the you know the titular tenant who's losing his fucking mind as, yeah. his, as his neighbours purposely you know go into levels of fuckery with him. Um, yeah. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Obviously, Rosemary's Baby is just a fucking classic. Like... Mm-hmm. Um, I think I only saw it for the first time in like, I don't know, five years ago or something. I haven't actually watched it again. Um, I'm meaning to pick up the Blu-ray at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah to give that a rewatch. But yeah, Rosemary's Baby is really fucking good. I mean, it's one of them ones where you hear so much about it. And, you know, you're worried that it's probably not going to live up to the expectation. Um, but it really does. It's a really fucking, like, solid film all the mm-hmm. way through. Um obviously has aged because you know these films do start sort of date but nowhere near as much as you probably think it think it would oh yeah 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 definitely um, yeah it could easily be one of them films that's done as like a period piece do you know what I mean and it's like it's dated in the way it looks but the way it's like presented is um, it's, it's pretty timeless I'm uh, yeah big fan of that one mm-hmm. so well, this was the first one yeah. did you say that he did Yep. <laughs> Not be negative. Don't. This is your assumption, now. You say, oh, well, the thing is, like I, yeah. The thing is, I watched it and oh, oh, I'd seen it. Like, this is a movie I've seen a couple of times. It has been like I told you before. It's been about a decade since I watched Repulsion. Um yeah. So I sat down and watched. Uh, what would that have been? See, I've watched it twice in the last week, because <laughs> like, um, I watched it right through, and the, the time I watched it through at the start of the week, I was, I was maybe more kind of focusing on the story and not the way it's filmed, and then the second time I watched it, I kind of more concentrated on the way it was filmed and less on the story. Um, and I personally enjoyed the second viewing through that lens more than the first viewing so whilst the story itself is kind of interesting I actually think the the direction, the techniques the actual art house house aspect of this movie is kind of genius like like borderline genius Um, so much so that when it finished like that second time I was kind of blown away. I thought I really kind of sat there like in silence going, yeah, this is weirdly the way that I think this movie should be, you know, viewed through that prism and less about like the dialogue, which is, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's okay dialogue. The acting, which I mean is good in parts, but in other parts, like it's, it's very dated. Um, and some of the violence as well, which is kind of, you know, gnarly to think of 1965 
Stella, oh, how, yeah. yeah, in five years from Psycho, things have went right off the fucking rails. But at the yeah. same, at the same time, like just the the the, the way the cameras used uh, the focus on on like eyes and faces, like specifically, like just yeah. lots of things that I think Polanski was doing. That when it got to the end of that second view, and I was like, this is like a this is like a fever dream. Like this is mm. like a like a nightmare scape fever dream. And I had always kind of considered Repulsion less the horror movie of the other two. I'd always kind of okay. looked at it as being more of the kind of the <laughs> psychological thriller, Andy. Um, yeah, right. Than the other two. And now I've kind of went the other way. I think Repulsion might be the most horror movie out of. Rosemary's Baby, The Tenant, and Repulsion. I think it might be the one that is maybe most unashamed to be just a horror movie. Um, mm. And I, I, it wasn't until the end, like in that that second viewing, that I started to realise there is a shitload of movies that have, have completely not just paid homage to Repulsion, but like flat ripped this movie off. Like just okay. so fucking many. Um and that, I think that's like the whole 90s <laughs> like that, that whole kind of the single white female and the hand of rocks like, like there's a whole swath of 90s movies which were psychological thrillers um, yeah, right. about about you know unhinged women uh, which t- to be fair don't handle it in the same tactful way that Repulsion does it's just no. you know, bitches be crazy in the 90s um, <laughs> you know what I mean that's yeah. literally that should be the tagline for every one of those movies, and um, but like watch it th- this time through, like I I I kind of lean back on this this feeling that there is something so deeply unhinged about Repulsion that mm. that really stuck with me. That first, but the thing is, watched it at the start of the week and was like, yeah, some of this dialogue's a bit wooden, and some of this acting isn't all that great. And now, oh, right, she's got a, a blade now, and all oh, right, that guy got stabbed in the back of his neck. The second time I watched it, I was like. Why is the camera moving this way? Why are we getting extreme close-ups? Why has this happened? What does yeah. this mean? Like, just completely... Di- when I gave myself over at the art house aesthetic, and that was when I got worried in answer to your question, because I was like, how has Andy viewed this movie? Because if Andy's viewed it like I viewed it on Monday, I get a feeling we're about to enter the, the danger zone. Um <laughs> Yeah, a, a long motorway one. Uh, but, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but if he's viewed it the second way, then I actually feel strangely confident, which is why my voice went squeaky there. So, sure, go for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, basically just a, a woman's sort of descent into madness, mm-hmm. isn't it? Um, I mean, you don't. I don't think you really ever find out, you know, what her major malfunction is not that you need one because obviously mental health doesn't I think, always need any kind of a trigger point um, she obviously doesn't like men yeah uh, I think it's, there's you know. maybe a hint um, that she was abused as a kid there's there's a hint that right, maybe yeah, the, literally yeah. the final the, the final the, shot the final the end, shot but yeah. it's not it's not like huh see see it is just like a you know this very far away look and, and I mean, he might he like might a... have just he might have just farted as the photo got taken, <laughs> and that's why she's you know could be something as simple as that. Could be that he was abusing her for years. Who knows? Who knows? Potato, potato. It, I mean, yeah. It's... I mean, 
it's, it's, uh, I find the, the the portrayal of of men in this interesting because let's be honest. I mean, you've got a young daughter. A lot of men are just fucking disgusting perverts. Oh yes. <laughs> you know like really they are i mean i know they've fucking like done studies and stuff in america and i don't know how accurate this data is but said like so you know the, the the percentage of men that would would rape someone if they thought they could get away with it scot-free is Skitty. fucking terrifying yeah. and i find it interesting because obviously roman polanski himself's got a very fucking like checkered past well, this is the thing yeah. isn't it really when you like when you watch a movie like repulsion you see that kind of final scene and then you know ultimately Polanski's legacy as a human being, you do start to go... Because it's a weird one, right? Because I've heard fucking Quentin Tarantino defending him, saying that that she was down with it. (laughs) Quote, unquote. Have you heard that video clip of him going, look? Yes. I think the weird thing thing about... See, I, I struggle... With Polanski, I really do. Not his movies. I, I genuinely think he's a very, very talented, very gifted filmmaker. Yeah, um, but I know that I have not cancel cultured, but I have not watched movies um, being released by actors, actresses, or filmmakers for less than what Polanski has done. Yeah. Um, and that is the quandary that I will forever exist in. And I know the the gut reaction from people that are filmmakers that are heavily influenced by Polanski to feel like they need to stick up for him. But yeah. using is, words like I mean, she's I, up I for mean, it is not, a, you know, that is not helping anything. Quentin yeah, Tarantino. it's like, look, look, Quentin Tarantino, I hate to break it to you, but a massive percentage of girls that are abused are quote unquote down with it. Yes, you know what I mean? Like the amount of girls that get groomed mm-hmm. and then when the bloke gets arrested, oh, but I, but I love him. And it's like, yeah. yeah you're 12 years old and you're not emotionally developed enough to be able to give proper consent that's mm-hmm. the whole reason that it's called child sexual exploitation he's yep. exploited the fact that you're 12 years old and that, that you know it's like he's a really rich powerful famous man yeah and a 12 year old girl's fallen for him because yeah. of it because he's basically groomed her and exploited her, her vulnerability that mm-hmm. does not mean she's down with it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such, a, though, such a fucking uh, weird way to see things anyway. Like, yeah, but Tarantino's a pervert anyway. I mean, like, literally, yeah. if you had a sister, would you leave her in a room alone with Quentin Tarantino? Well, <laughs> I, I, I would if she was wearing, like, seven pairs of shoes, like, over the top of each other, <laughs> and many socks. Yeah, and a chain, chain mail fucking onesie. <laughs> He's got, like, he's got serious fetishes, and the thing about Tarantino is, like... Once you understand that, it is fucking everywhere in every movie he's ever made. <laughs> like, yeah, it's all over the place. I mean, I'm you know I'm not going like, to obviously I don't agree with like kink shaming people. You know, mm-hmm. people are into what they're into, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't fucking you know, I wouldn't trust that guy with my sister. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, the, the, like, do you know what I think about this whole Harvey Weinstein thing? Right, mm-hmm. there's no fucking way that these people didn't know what he was up to. It's the same with the other cunt. What's his, what was the guy that killed himself? recently or we didn't he was murdered but you know that guy oh, what's his name yeah right how everyone okay. knew <laughs> everyone knew because they were reporting on it for years he's the jimmy savile is is america's jimmy savile I and in like, fact i think i think he's topped it to be honest i think he's i think he's fucking worse than yeah but he's not jimmy even jimmy savile. like the thing is jimmy savile was and like like weinstein to an extent was an institutional 
knowledge. You know what I mean? Like you worked as an actor or in and around Hollywood, you knew the rumours, right? And occasionally someone would hint or joke or Courtney Love would say something on the red carpet at some event. Um, you know, like the thing about Epstein though was he was fucking tried for it in two thousand and five and walked. Well, well, he, yeah. he, sorry, he was he, he was he was sentenced and then put to prison, which he never attended um, at all. It just went he was abu- he was literally abusing people oh. while he was meant to be in prison, and the pe- and the people that know him basically said, right, when you're as rich and famous and powerful as him, mm-hmm. okay, like doing horrendous crimes like horrendous things that everyone in society, you know, massively taboo fucking subjects. That was his high. Yeah. That was his drug. Doing something horrific to a fucking child. Yeah. I don't even know if it was necessarily, I think it was more even, I think it was more the act of the fact that he was doing something horrendously illegal. That was what was giving him the fucking high, maybe more than the sex itself. The fact that he was going fucking hell, I can do whatever I fucking want. Yeah. Like literally power hungry, like to the nth degree, like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the worst of fucking abuse of power you can possibly imagine. There's no fucking way people going to that island didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think fucking shame on them as well. Oh God, yeah. Like how, yeah. how desperate are you? Like how desperate are you to go on a private jet that you go on his private jet? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, why, why do you need to fucking have that to, you know, in your life? Yeah. It's fucking well dodgy. What do you, just, without the risk of going there, uh, <laughs> we've done another podcast, one, haven't we? <laughs> no, without going last podcast on the left, on you, have you heard of Adrenochrome? No. Adrenochrome, right? Is basically um, it's like something that they can extract uh, from from blood. It's like a it's it's like a, a drug with like I don't know. I, I don't know how fucking what it is about the, the the properties of this drug particularly but basically they extract it from through fear like the adrenaline pumping through your system is what creates this adrenochrome within the blood it's basically i think along the same lines of why they torture animals to death in like korea mm-hmm. because they think like the adrenaline like in the in the blood you know in the meat um basically makes you fucking virile and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and um and this is there's a proper big thing like if you look it up in hollywood that they basically um, torture children, extract the adrenochrome from their blood, and um, it gives you like fucking, it's a bit like human growth hormone type properties. It's like really fucking like good for you to, to, to take it. Yeah, it's almost like the premise of um, Doctor Sleep. You know, like the more fucking terrified the kid is, the better the, um, mm-hmm. the, better the, the, the steam. The steam, yeah. And it's a real thing. Like it's a real medical, scientifically proven thing that they can extract from blood um, when there's like you know like basically adrenaline in the blood. So there's a big conspiracy in Hollywood that they basically all the all you know the the, the biggest fucking richest and famous people they're all on this fucking adrenochrome stuff because it's like gives you almost like fountain of youth type fucking properties. So they're like torturing kids and basically to extract this adrenochrome i had never heard of that <laughs> as a conspiracy theory goes that's 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 punchy as fuck it's, it's well fucked up man and when like and when rachel was telling me about it i was like fucking out like that i don't know if i can fucking get my head around that mm-hmm. and she went well look at it like this right they will happily take 
a young child and fucking pass it around, you know, raping this child. That's not a problem for them, for someone like Epstein, they'll do something like that. Why not go the next step further and fucking, like, while that child's in, like, horrendous state of fear, extract some fucking blood from them so they can take the adrenochrome out? Like, it's not that much of an additional step, is it? Mm -hmm. If you're already, like, doing these horrific acts of violence on a child, why not just take a bit of blood from it as well? Like, what's, it's not that much of an extra fucking reach, is it, from fucking raping it and drugging it? And it's like, fucking hell, man. Like, I don't know if I want to go down that fucking rabbit hole. But yeah, apparently he was, like, massively into adrenochrome, um, Jeffrey Epstein. I wonder how we got to that point there. I was like, how have we got here from the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, I'll send you something on the adrenochrome thing. It's fucking yeah. yeah send me yeah, something I, on I, the adrenochrome. Don't do not send me adrenochrome. <laughs> no, no, because you wonder where I got <laughs> Exactly. Like, now you've taught me. Um... Try some of this, Duncan. It'll make you it'll make your penis super hard. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. like anyway, so um... yeah, um, so so stepping aside from uh, you know, trying to separate the artist from the you know, yeah. the, from the from the act. Um Difficult to watch American Beauty now, isn't it? And Seven. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a laundry list of things that are really, really difficult to watch in 2020, Andrew. Yeah, oh, so, goodness me. Yes. Um, but yeah, so back to back to repulsion. So yeah, it's interesting that he does this thing of like, you know, like he knows how to direct someone to act really fucking lecherous and pervy. Mm. And I think, yeah, maybe that's not a million miles away. From that. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy for you to do if you kind of know exactly. You go, yeah, perfect. That's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. So weird. Very much. So, so weird. But you, um, you're right. Like the, there's, there's a, there's a conscious decision, a, a weird, and in a lot of respects, this movie feels weirdly feminist. Uh, there is a conscious decision in the way the movie is shot specifically from that point of view and I think it's because we're kind of seeing men through her eyes um, as well as men just like you say being pretty fucking repulsive anyway yeah. uh, but we're, because we, we're seeing um, everything through Carol's eyes to an extent I, I think that adds an extra level of it's, it's almost like a, a steroid injected version of the worst aspects of men portrayed on the screen yeah yeah, definitely. Um, it's weird. There's obviously uh, I was trying to work out this thing with like the boyfriend. Like, d- does he think she's a real like loose woman kind of thing? <laughs> um, she's the opposite, but he yeah. seems to like have this real fucking problem with her. Like, I don't. Know, I think that's like an interesting. I think is it, is it... I'm trying to remember the like the thing in the pub where he properly kicks off with his mate. Are they talking about her? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is as well, I think there's that, isn't there, I mean, there's that kind of social perception as well that, you know, and it, I know one that I agree with, but, you know, a prim and proper women tend to be more deviant. Um, okay. And I think there's a, I think that's why he thinks that she's maybe a bit more loosey-goosey than, than she actually is. I think what, what he doesn't understand is, how quickly you know Carol's downward spiral will go, and once she starts that that descent, how what we see from a a personal aspect is being massive jumps 
into depression or, or or psychopathy or you know all the all these steps that we we start to go down as these big jumps are essentially small increments to her from the way she rationalizes what she does um and it's it's really weird and then intermixed with this like to, to me like I, I recently read um, an article about opening sequences in movies because that's what I do, Andy. I read, I read people's thoughts on the opening sequences of movies, and there was a really interesting thing. So one of the reasons I was kind of interested to jump back and check out Repulsion because yeah. in this in this little piece, what they said was the way that specifically the way that Polanski sets everything up, and this is even from the title credits where we have this close up of her eye. And sporadically, the names are coming in at weird angles and moving about the place and, you know, very, 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 very strange. And then at the end, when Polanski's name comes across, which is the only one that actually comes across horizontally, um, Mm. you know, directed by Polanski, and then the camera starts to pull out. And the initial inclination is she's suffering from grief. She's holding the, the hand of someone that has died, maybe a relative, Mm. And we're left on that image for a couple of seconds, yeah. and then we, so you instantly sympathise with Carol as a character. Mm. Not something bad's happened, yeah. and then it pans out a bit more, and then we're fully aware that no, this woman's wearing a mud pack and she's getting her nails done, um, and we've it's almost as if we've drifted through her eyes to begin with back into from a kind of lucid dream back into real life, and I, that I think is the almost the mechanism of how you have to view the movie from that point is that we you know we have we are in our head we come out our head and start witnessing our life and from that point of view everything we see is in this movie that she's on the screen for is her perception of what's happening around her um and this idea that maybe she has been abused in the past but if she hasn't been abused in the past the indication is that she has always been damaged from being a kid because that same mm. far away stare that she has as a child in that picture is almost the bookend of the stare that we have at the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah. Which I think is like... Can you think of any other movies that really double down um, and, you know, into this idea of like following, for the most part, a, a damaged female character as your lead in the movie without you know having it portrayed from how men see this you know what I mean that's the, and that's where I think Repulsion really has some some bite and some power it reminds me in a lot of respects and this is all the comparisons I was doing to this movie specifically um, like the first time I saw the movie Eyes on My Mother which I fucking okay. loved. Incredible I movie. Seen, don't think I've seen that. Oh man, get on that. Uh, it's a rough watch, uh, but it's also black and white. And when I watch something yeah. like that, um, knowing that it's fully kind of handled from this girl's perspective, and we're watching the entire movie from this girl's perspective, it's at that point that it starts to kind of dawn on me, oh right, this, you know, and as we follow her damaged character you know this is a play on repulsion here this is a, a total yeah. play on repulsion um okay. i that's how certainly the second time viewing that's how i looked at it i mean like if you if you talk about what she goes through as a character it's mostly levels of um kind of mundane social interaction 
a job that she clearly doesn't like um, yeah. like at all um, a great scene where she's given the, the kind of manicure to the, the old woman and she just you know cuts her finger <laughs> yeah. because she's completely drifted off into whatever nightmare is playing mm. in her head um, and you know and then like as we, as we lead to the descent the and the violence it is this if you know something like Driller Killer is this descent into artistic madness yeah. um, and the, the effects that I have on it, you know, repulsion is the is the is the idea of how you know people that are struggling, people that have that thinly veiled mask that makes them conform or fit into society, if that mask does slip and people don't clock it or people don't know or aren't aware of the situation or grasp the full gravity, how far things can go. Um, mm. And I think that's kind of what I love about it is, like I say, from a narrative perspective, it's a fairly basic movie. I, from a it dialogue is, yeah. perspective, it's also a fairly yeah. basic movie. But I think as we're looking at it in the time that it was filmed, you know, like mental health awareness, Yeah. even 10 years ago was like, quite quite shocking really mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like people just didn't have the fucking awareness that like mental health is a problem and if you can't see that something's wrong with someone then what the fuck is wrong with them sort of thing yeah like it's just a completely invisible illness that people just ignore so I'm thinking like rewind like this is not that far away really from when people used to get fucking like disgraced in the army because you know they fucking were obviously suffering from serious PTSD and people just thought they were just fucking being a pussy, like in, you know what I mean, running away from a battle scene and stuff. And it's like, no. And obviously now people have like almost had their honour kind of restored and, you know, people had like their medals stripped and that sort of thing. They've obviously recognised now that what, you know, shell shock and all that sort of thing was just, you know, you know PTSD. So like w- watching this film from sort of, yeah, from this long ago, I imagine, do you think people, audiences would have been almost like confused by what was wrong with her? You know what I mean? Because mental health wasn't really a recognised thing at that point. So to have this woman who's just, you know, experiencing a lot of emotional, yeah, mental health issues, yeah, it must I, have been a weird one for audience of this. Because obviously, watching it today, you kind of completely understand that you know what's happening to her. I think that's maybe what leans more into the 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 perception of it being like from that from this time period. Like this movie is just widely known as he, you know, he can. A complete horrific horror movie. You know, when's I mean? it made? Six hours. It's like twenty years from probably on from uh, from you know the war and that sort yeah. of thing. Is it? Did you say sixty-five this year? Yeah, sixty-five. So I think yeah. I, I think people who were viewing this movie at the time just looked at it as you know like this you know this horrific movie of this unhinged woman who's doing horrible things without context or understanding mm. I think that's yeah. maybe what leans into I mean you could you'd argue that you know someone like Polanski wouldn't understand the the, the depth of what they were doing and, and you know through time as our understanding of uh, you know how people interact or, or, or issues that people have or, or specifically things to do with mental health um, you know we can start filling out the story a bit more. I don't know if that's his intentions. Um, I, I I think there's maybe... It's just a really well-written piece, which I, I think if memory serves um, from from the Criterion disc, like Polanski basically says, 
that you know he he and the his co-writer on this one wrote it about a very strange woman that they mm. both knew like a mutual acquaintance who was you know as as they kind of classified it deeply unhinged um yeah. so like that unhinged term is at least this blanket term uh for for like everything that would encompass things like mood swings bipolarism you know like uh, the, the this kind of huge gulf of things which we can now differentiate pull out medicate fix or or treat yeah i mean obviously it's the severe end of the spectrum because 99.9% of people with severe mental health issues aren't a danger to anyone exactly. you know, they're not violent yep. um i mean this for me is really similar to sort of the, the similar beats to the Joker film, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. I hadn't even considered that, Andy. Yeah, yeah that, like, there is that level. Know, yeah, of uh, you know, finally snapping and killing people, and yeah, it's um, but obviously, you know, just what forty odd years earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is in. And she doesn't like yeah. the the the, the kind of. There's the, the aspect towards the end when she when she basically cold bloodedly murders the guy uh, with the straight razor. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the movie, there is a weird. I was he, fucking well behind her on that though. Cause well, this is what I was going to say. Like, on <laughs> but once again, is that if we are to assume from the way I have interpreted the movie as being seen through our ha- through her eyes. Are the actions that that guy is, you know, is portraying on screen or are portraying on the screen to an extent, you know, is that a, a kind of a, a hyperized version, once again, the steroid injected version of, of what he's doing? Or is he like that? You know, there's, there's this disconnect of the way she sees people, um, mm. you know, it's almost like when you go into like a, like a fun house and you walk past the goofy mirrors and like, yeah. it's like all these weird caricatures of how she sees people that, I mean, I, I'm kind of with you, the guy was fucking total scumbag. Um, but then I'm thinking to myself, is that how she sees him to justify the I mean, actions to be that honest, she does? Like, Pete, that's how I think that was how like society almost accepted that as yeah. well. I think in the sixties, like if you watch some of the fucking, I think we've talked about this before. If you watch some of the Roger Moore James Bond films, yeah, he literally forces himself on a woman until she just gives in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, what message is that giving out? Yeah, like yeah, all right, you know, force you, you, know, you know, try it on with the woman, physically force yourself on her. You know, if she fucking fights you off, just keep going. Eventually, she'll probably just give up. If Bond's doing it, if it's good enough for Bond, yeah, like yeah, so maybe like she didn't, you know, like embellish in her mind what he was doing. I think just in the sixties, blokes probably just thought they could fucking try it on like that and get away with it a bit more. I mean, it's taken us this long now. We are finally getting to the point, you know, and it's literally taken up to like the last sort of three or four years. You know, the whole Me Too movement where pe- women are actually going. Do you know what? You can't fucking do yeah. that. <laughs> like, <laughs> How about yeah. no? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with because, you. It's, it's, it's so... Uh, like, there's so many movies. Like, there's so many, like, because I'm, like, a, I'm slightly obsessed with, like, Italian, like, 70s and 60s and 70s movies, and just mm-hmm. the way men are with women, you know, like, oh, she's hysterical, give her a slap. Um, yeah. You know, like just I mean, this. And it's that's funny just... you should say that because um, we were just kind of discussing sort of how 
Italy's society is quite fucking like in certain ways really fucking behind. Oh god, yeah. Like maybe <laughs> maybe Britain like they're in like obviously Sabura and Gomorrah both set in modern day. They are mm-hmm. fucking racist in that. Mm-hmm. Like not just you know like a casually racist fucking joke. Like obviously that people will, you know you still might hear down the pub or something. Really fucking horrendously racist in in both of those. And I think that's modern day Italy. And I remember seeing a clip of like uh, I don't know it wasn't like the prime minister or something, but basically this female like MP or something shook uh, like a group of white people's hands and when it came to the black person just walked off yeah like yeah, yeah. yeah you know and it's like yeah fucking hell like yeah it's everything what what got us to this why are we talking about <laughs> oh yeah in Italy yeah like you're saying in the seven yeah like the way the way they talk to you know the way they talk to women and Oh yeah, just the way they act around women, like you know, it's, mm. it's the and it is the like society moves on. I think that's like once again, I think that's why certain movies are ripe for reappraisal. Like specifically, mm. weirdly, it always seems to be Polanski movies, like th- that yeah. I find that are the most rich to go back and check because when you think about the when you think about Rosemary's Baby and the idea of. And strip the Satan out of it, but when you think of the idea of gentrification, which was a process that you know has you know has been going on and going on and going on, and it continues. But the, this idea of gentrification in New York as being New York almost being a character in that movie, in that you like the way that the final shot in Rosemary's Baby, where we pan out and we see a skyline full of buildings similar to the one that Rosemary lives in and the idea of, well, what are your neighbours? Are your neighbours Satanists? You know, could they be Satanists? Could it be something worse? Could it be communists? You know, all, like, all these, like, uh, these ideas of what, what what is happening next door. It's why, like, Lynch, sorry to jump to Lynch, but we're just connecting dots here. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Lynch, like, like, has this this fucking hard on for suburban life in America and you know the suburbs this idea of white picket fences and you know everyone's grass is mowed the same length and all the rest but look at all the the kinks and perversions that people might have behind their doors and that's not the aspect you see the aspect you see as their neighbor is the front that they put on and I, you know I love these these ideas of when you like it's why when you look at repulsion is this is this kind of almost clinical analysis of a deeply wounded unhinged female who is surrounded by by men that are fucking awful right and then Mm -hmm. you look at and in a lot of respects she is a strong character and then you look at rosemary's baby and then we have a woman who is is so meek and timid and subservient to her husband who is the he's the go-getter and he'll get the job and all the rest and she's completely taken advantage of um and at the end of that movie she she is you know she's going to be be the the mother to satan uh, because the the baby needs a mother and you know and all the rest and then but what's interesting about it is we jump forward a couple of years into a new decade and you know Polanski's like that right no let's let's inverse this and let's put this kind of confident man in a building and fuck with his head and then you have a guy who's and I love that I, I love that he's 
And weirdly, you mentioned the Vengeance trilogy earlier on. The Vengeance trilogy and the Apartment trilogy have so much shared DNA in that they are essentially three stories about, you know, like not only apartment buildings, but the 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 effects, the, the extent of effects of almost kind of psychological abuse can have on characters. Um, yeah. Whereas the Vengeance trilogy is that sort of, you know, be warned about how you seek vengeance because it comes in many different fashions and some of that might result in the worst shit happening to you ever. Um, mm. Or it might result in, you know, like the, you know, Lady Vengeance at the end, you know, a weirdly happy, optimistic ending of the worst thing that could happen to a woman. You know, like, it's, it's all, this, all these things that kind of, that play with, I think that, I don't know, I, I don't know if I'm willing you to tell me you love Repulsion, but I'm... <laughs> I feel there's... Di- it is a movie which could be viewed completely on a superficial level and that superficial level isn't going to give you much nourishment. I think when you dig yeah. beneath the surface, there's a lot of complex ideas which whether Polanski means to do it or is being vague enough that we can start inserting them, which is the best aspects of Art House, is what you bring to the table, is what you get out. It's why in the same week I had two completely different brains in the movie. Um... But I, I think there's I think there's enough in here, enough in here to sit back and marvel and think of this movie has been copied and imitated many, many, many times, but I don't know if there's any movies do it as raw as Repulsion does it. There's no airs or graces in this movie at all. It is very it's weird. I think it's like I think it cost them like three hundred thousand. Um which was a lot of money back in sixty five, but it's still not a yeah. lot of money if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, just before I sort of surmise the, uh, the the movie, just before I lose this train of thought, you were talking about like psychologically damaging people from in, some in the Vengeance trilogy. Mm. Like in Korea, reenacting a crime scene is a thing. Yeah, where they force where they force the person who committed the crime to reenact it in front of like family members and reporters. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. Because <laughs> I saw it in um, I saw it in one of the. Vendor uh, Carmen, which of the Vengeance trilogy it is now, but it's in one of them. And then I watched Memories of Murder the other day. I'd never seen that before. Oh, it's really good as well. Uh, yeah, really it good. is. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping for some kind of resolve, but I kind of realised <laughs> I was watching something similar to Zodiac, where you're not really going to. Nah. You know what I mean? It's just. Um, but yeah, it is a really good film. Um, yeah, and they did a reenactment in that as well. So that made me Google and go, hang on a minute, if I've seen it twice, maybe it's a real thing. Because the first time I just kind of thought it was something they'd written in for the movie. I didn't realise it was an actual fucking practice. Yeah. And I thought, what's the purpose of that? Other than, I mean, how fucking awkward would that be? Whether you've done the crime or not, whether you you're proud of the fact that you've yeah. done it, whether you've actually got remorse or you haven't got, you know, whether it was a genuine crime of passion or whatever. Whatever your mindset at the time, whatever your mindset afterwards to be forced in front of potentially the victim's families and a bunch of fucking jeering, spitting, hissing reporters mm-hmm. to, like, simulate rape and, like, strangle a fucking mannequin or whatever. <laughs> yeah. what, the, what the fuck? I couldn't believe it. I thought, yeah, that's fucking next level shit. I mean, I don't know if they still do that. I know they're just, for both of those films aren't that old. But yeah. Fucking hell. Craziness. Um... 
Yeah, so back to repulsion. I mean, <laughs> listen, I probably, I probably did because I always fucking forget that we're watching. Like, I'm like meant to be dissecting an art house film. Well, uh, like, yeah, I, but there's, you know there's what I mean. So I, so I do. So like when I'm, I'm not always watching it, thinking right. I need to sort of understand what it is and you know what. The, what sort of art house qualities I'm meant to be extracting from this? Sometimes I just watch it like I'm watching a film, like you yeah, said. But either works or it doesn't work. You know what I mean? There's 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 that level for me that even with the greatest subtext in the world, if the movie doesn't pull together as a movie, then you know it doesn't work. You know. So ultimately, a good art house movie should work as a movie first and foremost. But uh, there should be enough to nourish you if you want to deep dive and if you deep dive you should you should gain a better appreciation for what the filmmaker's trying to do that being said if it doesn't work as a movie then like I've heard plenty of people tell me that they completely understand the subtext of Mother right which is a movie I yeah. really really fucking like um, you yeah. know completely understood it but just didn't think it worked as a movie like, didn't like the performances. The performances, like, threw them off and all the rest. And I can't argue that. <laughs> like, it's, it's like when we were chatting about Bliss. You know, mm. and you were like that. I just don't like this character. I just don't like her. And I have to spend all my fucking time with her. So, you know, yeah. that's an instant put off for me. So Repulsion has to work as a movie first and foremost. If anything, yeah, I think that- that's probably my thing that I'm not... Is, is my main downfall for repulsion you see is that I felt similarly about the main character that I did um, in Bliss yeah. in Bliss I mean I mean, I found the woman in Bliss a little bit obnoxious whereas this woman isn't like that at all obviously you do there is um, you know quite a big degree of sympathy for her <clears throat> because although probably in its day she was just you know a bit fucking do lally or whatever like mm-hmm. watching it watching it in in 2020 you know this is just a woman suffering from horrendous PTSD, mental health issues, probably the result of abuse. Um, but I find like her character is just not that interesting aside from that. Um, and that again is probably to do with the fact that there wasn't enough of a men- uh, an understanding probably of mental health to be able to sort of show a- other aspects of her character to make it a bit more three dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. And I also kind of think there's there not really any other character development for any of the other secondary characters in it either. You've just right. got a really obs- like either a perverted guy, um, another perverted guy, a guy who's got serious fucking jealousy issues. I don't know. The men are all kind of really one-dimensional, I think, which mm-hmm. is probably intentional. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it just didn't it didn't draw me in enough. I think it's a really really well shot film. Um, I think it, I did I did really appreciate the technical achievement of it. Um, I think it's quite ahead of its time, probably with the way it's shot like yeah. that. It seems, yeah, very different to a lot of other films of that era. Um, you know, the camera angles that he's using, the way he frames the shots and that sort of thing. I do really appreciate that. Um, just going back to what you were saying, I don't really think for me it necessarily does work as a as a movie. I don't think it's anything I'd probably want to go back to. All right. Um, whereas the uh, obviously Rosemary's Baby, even though I have only seen that once, um, I did think it was fantastic, and I do fully intend to revisit that probably more than once. Um, and the Tenant as well, I've only seen that once, but I, you know, I do remember thinking that was a really fucking interesting, interesting film, especially towards you know that sort of the reveal at the end. Yep. I kind of 
you know, like you know, big smile on my face. I was like, oh, that's fucking clever. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't, I did not see that coming. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like it had a very similar weirdness to repulsion. I just think, unfortunately, repulsion doesn't give you that reveal where you almost think, ah, okay, the last 90 minutes is all worthwhile now because you've <laughs> kind of showed me that. Um, I did like, I mean, I, to be honest, I thought the last 10 minutes, is, it was quite effective. I do like it when there's like a a revelation from the people in it that yeah. kind of go, fucking hell, man, like there's this big discovery. Um, I mean, for me, it reminded me of like my, one of the my favourite bits in Hereditary, right, is when she tells Gabriel Byrne that the fucking decapitated corpse of her mother is in the attic. Yeah. <laughs> and I fully expected when he went up there for it not to be there. Mm-hmm. And for her and for him to go, what the fuck are you talking about, you knobhead? Like, I'm, I'm sick of this. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sick of your nonsense. Like, I fully expected either it hurt that to be in her imagination stuff. And when he comes down, and he is literally like, what the fuck is going to... Do you know what I mean? Like, she is up there. There is a fucking decapitated corpse of the mother's body in the attic. And his, yeah. and his like, revelation and him coming down, like, it's, that is one of my favourite scenes in the film because the look on his face, like, he, he went up there fully expecting that to be bullshit, yeah. <laughs> didn't he? Because his wife's losing the plot and he comes down and it's, and it's real. It's the Mulholland Drive thing. This is why I keep saying Mulholland Drive has maybe one of the best scares in cinema history. Because okay. you have you have two characters sitting in, like, it's a vignette, it's a small vignette, it doesn't really tie up with anything else, but fuck it, it's lunch. And you have two characters yep. sitting in a diner, and one character is telling the other character about this horrible fucking dream that he had, that they were both sitting in this diner, and they walked out, and they went down around this corner, and this creepy, weird, fucking demon, bag lady-ish creature came around, and he dies of fright. And he's so traumatised by it. The guy's like, listen, it's not real. Come on, we'll just walk down and do it. And they walk down and the fucking thing happens. And the guy dies of fright. And you're like, like every part of you is trained not to believe that something is going to be behind that wall. Every every fibre of your being, everything that you understand about the world, everything you understand about how movies are constructed, how film and storytelling works tells you that this guy is, you know, having this thing and he's going to be snapped out when he walks around and everything's going to be fine. And Lynch deliberately does it the other way. Completely subverts the expectation. And it's why it's like, I genuinely remember seeing that for the first time and my heart, I I felt my heart ripping through my fucking chest. Okay. And I was like, this is, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And it was the same way. It's one of the reasons I I, I think Hereditary is just like a fucking slice of pure genius. Mm. It does exactly the same. It, It uses a very similar technique of you think, because you think, like the you think like the character you think like a rational person um, and you you can see when he comes down the effect that has on him is like his world like everything he thinks he has a handle on is now no longer makes sense yeah, yeah. it's one of the best it's one of the best most subtle performances because you put Gabriel Byrne in a movie you think it's going to be this big powerhouse performance yeah but he's so fucking understated. He's just this kind of downtrodden guy who's having to deal with just a horrendous fucking family grief and turmoil. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, when he's sent up into that attic, it's almost like he's only going up there so he can say, come back down and go, see, you fucking nuts. I told you, right, that's it. We're, we're going to the fucking hospital. Like, yeah. you need some help, right? That's literally the only reason he's going up there. He's not going up there because he thinks there's something up there. He's going up there just so he can go, see, like, come on now, please. Like, let's, you know, we need, we need, you need some help. And the fact that when he comes down, because you don't know that he sees that you don't the camera doesn't go up into the attic with him mm-hmm. the camera waits downstairs for him to come back down into the attic and it's like holy shit yep the decapitated corpse of your mother-in-law was in the attic <laughs> on on all fours <laughs> yeah mental fucking and, and incredible now and now your psyche has been shattered uh, like batman's yeah. back by beam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then you're gonna and you're gonna get set on fire in a minute as well, buddy. So, <laughs> and if you yeah, thought that was good, bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Well you, look, I, this is this is why even if I don't think I will ever get you to love an art house movie, I enjoy recording these episodes because I never yeah. know where the conversations are gonna go. Ever. No. Um, so yeah, back to what we were saying. Anyway. So yeah, the last ten minutes I think is is really good. I do really like you know people. I like people discovering horrible shit. Yeah. Like it's it's a very effective thing because all we've ever seen, as jarring as the fucking you know the walls cracking and the hands coming out of the walls and they're imagining some, like you know some imaginary fucking th- guy raping her in her apartment and stuff. Yeah. None of that is real. Yes. Yeah, but so what? But when those people come in and find the fucking body in the bath, her under the bed in a fucking catatonic state, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter that the stuff that she's seen isn't real. Yeah. The reactions are, you know, the, the the aftermath is very fucking real for everyone to see. She's fucking, she's murdering people. She's slashing people up with a knife. You know, this is, this is fucking real. It's not in her head anymore. Mm-hmm. This is... Yeah, you know, this is this is happening now. Um, so I did really like that because I think as the viewer, it kind of brings you into, you know, it doesn't matter that she imagined it, what she imagined, what she imagined. You know, there were people have now died and everyone and people fucking know about it as well. So that's cool. I did think I liked the ending in that respect. That was I found that was rewarding. I think is the final ten minutes. It's just nowhere near as rewarding as the tenant. Yeah, because I just didn't fucking see that coming, um, and I'm not really comparing the two. I just think they are quite similar. Obviously, they you know both set in an apartment with people kind of losing their mind, and you don't know what's what. So it's difficult not to compare the two. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I did like this film. I, I'll give it a. I will. I will. I'll let you know what my score is in a minute. But it's yeah, unfortunately, it's not. It's probably. I'll probably, I'll probably just never go back to it. Um, yeah. I don't even think I'm intrigued enough to watch it a second time, you know, like trying to sort of use a different lens in the way you did. I just, mm-hmm. it, it, it didn't, um, it didn't sort of, I don't feel compelled enough to do that. That's fine. That's fine. Right. So g- give me your grade, Andy Block. So it's a three. I just, oh, I liked I, it. I, I kind of thought it was going to be less than that, actually, when you start. <laughs> so I will, I will take that three and I will, I will run to the hills with it. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, appreciate I, it for what it is. I mean, yeah. even though I think it was unintentional, it's a really fucking good character study of someone with PTSD slash mental health yeah. in the same way that the Joker is. I just didn't really fucking like the Joker because I've seen it all before. But obviously in its day, like 1965, I don't think anyone had done anything like this, mm. any kind of a portrayal, especially with a female in the lead either. 
Um, so obviously I'm viewing it from 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 that point of view, and yeah, I did like it. There's, there's a lot to like about it. Um, yeah, it's just not it's just not not necessarily my cup of tea. This one. Awesome, awesome, right? Not enough gay sex in it. For me, not enough gay honest. sex like last last episode. <laughs> no. Which uh, I more, had to once that. again. I had to kind of there's a lot of people get dropping the line saying, "Where can I check this movie?" And I'm like you've not listened to the episode and I'm like no 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 I want to watch the movie before I listen to the episode and I'm like right I'm just going to give you a warning <laughs> just put that out there first uh, do you have an aversion to a lot of penis on screen you it's a weird one isn't it do. because like <laughs> so, I don't want like it, 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 I, was, I was worried that we might have offended any, no, any no. gay listeners <laughs> but for like for me I know for a gay person watching other gay people have sex is, is completely like it's you know they obviously they do it themselves it's not anything out of the ordinary yep but i think for for a straight guy like myself I, it's i'd i'd never seen it before yeah. do you know what i mean so even though i'm really liberal and i've not got any kind of issues with that i guess you don't fully know how it's going to make you feel when you do see two guys having not really graphic sex i mean actually it's in sabura which is an interesting thing because i was reading the other day they, uh, it's the first openly gay male character in, a, in an Italian thing ever, oh. the guy in Sabora. And not only do they have an openly gay character in their TV show, they actually show him having quite graphic sex with another guy in the same vein as, as that movie that we, we talked about. Yeah. Um, just not every 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do find it interesting like that, that it would put people off the thing because yeah, if it was like, you know, if, if it's two women having sex, everyone like, I think we talked about this, everyone, you know, you're all for it, no one's got a problem. Yeah. Um but I guess like, you know, two two guides having sex, it's it is it is that thing where, you know, some people will kind of go, Oh god, yeah, I don't. I, I, yeah. I, I think <laughs> you have to kind of watching that. Yeah, you have to kind of openly like weirdly you have to kind of put that as a uh, as a, a small advisory at the start. Interestingly enough, Repulsion, according to IMDb, uh, features the first depiction of a female orgasm sound only okay. to be passed by the British Board of Film Censors. Right. So but so if it, it was a bloke, they were, that's a man on the board, isn't it? It's fine. It took till 1965 for the British Board of Film Censors to acknowledge that women can get an orgasm wow. <laughs> or make a noise from it uh, yeah right actually yeah. enjoy it that's, yeah. that's crazy <laughs> uh, right cool let we me were... just tell you quickly i got one more thing just to just to, just to mention you Columbo I me I... up here are you columboing me up here with your one more thing um, sir? yeah my uh yeah my wife one more thing my wife loves you but uh i didn't uh <laughs> I didn't explain adrenochrome properly. Right? I didn't feel like I did it justice, right? so I just thought I'd do a quick Google search because um, I know, obviously, yeah. I know it is a genuine uh, chemical compound. And that's also you know, uh, by the way, blacklisted by the government for search. Yeah, just Google. just for mentioning, just for mentioning <laughs> it. Um, yeah, adrenochrome is a chemical compound um, with molecular formula, blah blah blah, produced by the oxida- oxidization of adrenaline, um, and basically the effects on the brain. Because they uh, they did they conducted tests in the 1950s and 60s about this, and it basically <laughs> it, it it makes you high. Basically, you you um, inject yourself with adrenochrome. It does make you high. You get euphoria, um, feelings of derealization, but it also triggers psychotic reactions. Oh, Jesus, um, it's a, yeah, like 
can cause quite a problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, psycho psychotic and schizophrenia kind of uh, outcomes of that. But obviously, these people believe that the high is is worth it. I guess. Um, Don't send me that, Andy. I'm just saying. No. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> you can keep it. Thank you for the offer. Because um, <laughs> uh, it's because it's to do with have you heard of like PizzaGate? Yeah, oh yes, I know all about pizza. <laughs> yeah, so so basically, if you if you order a pizza with uh, some anchovies, is that, that's that's the side of adrenochrome. Ah. A bit of that on you, on you. Um, yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's it's quite heavily linked with the whole PizzaGate thing. This adrenochrome, because it's like I say, if you're happy to fucking order a child and get it fucking sent to your house and do for horrendous sex acts on it extracting a bit of blood from it and then i don't think it's an extra it's too much of an extra step i mean mm-hmm. you know these uh these these crazy people will do these sort of things and jeffrey epstein's just the perfect example of that when his friends were describing him it's like for him it is the act of doing something fucking mental yeah so if you if you told jeffrey epstein about adrenochrome like me and you just go fucking hell, that's crazy. What the fuck? But someone like him, who's basically searching for the next insane thing to do, just because it makes him feel like incredibly powerful, he's going to be straight on the phone, isn't he? Right, I want some of this adrenochrome. Get me some of it. Yeah. It's like fucking hell, man. So who's the who do you use? Who's the fucking poor kid who's going to get like trauma? Because it is. I mean, Stephen King must have known about it. That must be that, that must be where he got that must be where he got the idea for for um for, for steam from for as in, well and, and, and yeah. it yeah. yeah totally in fact when I was reading up on the adrenochrome thing they mentioned that in there Steve the, the thing from Stephen King's it yeah you taste so much better you taste so much better when you're afraid yeah so whew, horrible it's, just, it's a really chilly it's horrible man it's the worst. <laughs> It's the worst scene in Doctor Sleep, isn't it? Like oh, yeah. Oh, that is, yeah. That, 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 to me, is pure... That's probably the closest I've got to seeing a film at the cinema in recent times that like, actually got completely under my skin. Yeah, because Jason Tremblay, and that kid can fucking act. And he was oh, yeah. only in it for, like, fucking five minutes. And apparently, I was reading the trivia... The, the the first take that they did was so fucking it, it just disturbed the fuck out of everyone mm-hmm. like it was real like it was mental apparently like he, he absolutely fucking freaked out and then he got up and like high fived his dad his dad went yeah that was a really that was great sort of thing <laughs> and apparently like he he went off and like high fived his dad who'd obviously fucking like bought him a lot and apparently oh. like apparently the entire fucking cast and crew were just sitting there like traumatized. Walking. Yeah, traumatized. <laughs> and, and him and his dad are like, woo, yeah, that was great. Could it take you for pizza? Uh, yeah. everyone else is sitting yeah. in a hushed silence. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right, let's let's swing this in. I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a short break. When we come back, we'll be announcing the next movie for episode number twelve of Andy Loves Art House. And closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Andy Loves Art House episode 11. And whilst we did not get 
Uh, I love this movie, Duncan, which one day I, I feel we might get, maybe. I do feel that we mentioned a movie during our conversation that feels like it's a glaring omission that you've never covered it uh, or seen it. So I'm proposing that the next movie we do, Andy, is Eyes of My Mother from 2016, directed by Nicholas Pesh, or Pesci. I'm going to say Pesci. I always get confused. I, I'm bad with names yeah. anyways, so who knows? Yep. He's the two youths, because um, Pesci. Youths, youths, the two youths. Am I using you? Am I using you? I'm a fucking funny. Um, so uh, that's terrible. That's a bad joke. What the fuck is fucking funny? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what we'll be doing. In Mutley, isn't he from Wacky Races? Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in Home Alive. If we could just do a live action Wacky Races where Joe Pesci is Mutley, I would be happy. Up, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> uh, that would make me a happy, happy guy. So that's what we'll be covering on the next episode, which will be winging its way oh, to you. I've just, I've just, I've just, just let me Yo. quickly let me recommend a, a film before I forget about it. Do it. Forget to tell you. Have you seen Calm with Horses? I have not seen that either. Calm with Horses. Calm with Horses. Yeah. Have you seen them? Um, did you watch The Virtues? You just like making up words now. Uh, no. <laughs> Right, how have you? How are you a Shane Meadows fan, but you haven't watched The Virtues yet? Because, because there's so much shit out there, Andy. And in the conversation that we had just at the start of this episode, you mentioned about twenty things that I haven't seen. So I'm getting there. I get there. It takes me time, but once I get there, right. I get there. So the sort of co-lead. I don't know if she's she's the co-lead. Maybe it's like she's a supporting actress in The Virtues. Her uh, name's Neem, Neem Algar, um, Irish actress. Well, she's in this one called Calm With Horses. Um, oh, I, I know this dude. I know the dude. What's this dude been in? Uh, Barry, what's his chops? You've been in... <gasps> You've been in The Killing yeah. of a Sacred Deer, right? Yeah, so it's got Barry Keown in it. It's got um, Ned Dennehy. Uh, yep. That's a screen grab right there, Andy Blockley. Screen grab that. Um, but it's just one of those like gritty sort of British well it's Irish but you know like grit, gritty sort of things that we like where it's just like a fucking like a, you know, I don't know a week in the life of some you know nice people not so nice people someone who's fucking trapped and horrible uh, a few horrible acts of violence happen and there's just a lot of drama and a lot of really fucking great performances it's just one of them ones you know like mm-hmm one of them kind of understated I think yeah well, I think you'd really like it so just while that was on my mind I thought yeah go and grab it get a screen grab of that before I forget yeah I have I have indeed screen grabbed it so um, and I will what? I will hopefully I will hopefully remember to check my screen grabs sooner rather than later because you know what I'm like uh, so yeah. <laughs> terrible i really am I'm the worst the worst person ever and you know what's worse i'm like that yeah let's just i'm like i will just do this summer run again where i'll up the amount of movies that are actually covered in uh, you know in the initial part of it so yeah uh, you know if, if we you know if, the, if we were like bang in the middle of like bang at the start of the lockdown i'd have done the the, the, the top 10 yeah, i know you would have i know you would have but, but you know by the time like, you start it i'll be back at work when yeah. i by then so it's just too much fucking too much commitment for me i don't want to commit to something where it's just going to be like it's, it's not 
it's going to be fun to do, but it's just going to stress me out having to watch all them films and write notes on them and scheduling recordings at some, you know, potentially fucking awkward hours because of the time difference oh, and yeah. stuff. So, yeah, as much as I do love doing them top 10s, uh, top 20s, like I did really enjoy the last three. I think, unfortunately, uh, this year I have got to sit it out, but... Um, you will yeah, be I mean, it's going to be good. It's, it, it's going to be good. There's some good fucking French stuff in there, isn't there? Oh, the French the stuff, Spanish stuff, uh, South uh, Korean obviously stuff. J horror. Yeah, J horror. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's packed. It's stacked. Um, yeah, it is, it is nuts. But there, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot in there as always. And yeah, I think it's going to be the most foreign decade. I will of g- all of them. I think I will give you a little uh, a wink and a nudge to say that of the initial movies selected. 40% of them are not English language. Yeah. Which well, is fucking about, nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Mm. In the best mm. possible way. The best possible yeah, way. Totally. But you'll be coming back and you'll be doing a, well, Eyes of My Mother is an Argentinian movie, I believe. So it's okay, n- cool. non-English language as well. So we're bringing yep. the thunder here with something a bit... I only it. just found out the other day that you can just go and grab... Um, subtitles from VLC. Oh yeah, you've been able to do that for a while. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I just I just never knew. So like, I downloaded something, and if the subtitles weren't on there, I'd been like go and download another <laughs> version. And then, oh, for fuck's sake, like this one's only got Russian. And then I'd like download. Another. I didn't realize you could just go and fucking get them. Yeah. <laughs> like and download the file. Hard coded or GTFO? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you are. It has to be hard coded or get the fuck out. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, I can't, I can't handle dubbed. I know people will watch stuff dubbed, right? But like, you can't do it. No. You can't, you can't like pre, like you know, because apparently in France, my brother was telling me like Brad Pitt's got his own voice actor, and every Brad Pitt movie is voiced by the same guy who's a genuinely good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fucking George Clooney, the same guy does the voice acting in every fucking George Clooney. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're proper actors and stuff. But when you, and I don't know what it is about the um, like you know the the Asian films. <laughs> The dubbing is so fucking horrendous. It literally ruins it. <laughs> like it's it's it, it renders the movie unwatchable because, like, it's mental. I thought like some of the early like you know the the, the voice acting in some of the like early video games like Metal Gear Solid and stuff were wank. This is fucking next level. How bad the voice acting is in all of these fucking dub things. It pisses me off. And like Netflix will default to dubbing now and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't realise at first that you could get the regular language version of the stuff until I like went into the options. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I think we like bailed on something called Money Heist because I didn't realise it was you could get the proper... Do you know what I mean? So we just fucking bailed on it. We need to go back to it. But yeah, like I'm, I'm hoping your top 20 this year introduces a lot of people to a lot of foreign films that they probably wouldn't normally watch because it's just a fucking like unbelievable catalogue isn't there yeah. out there yeah it's, it's like, which you can get past the, that hit you know insane amount honestly there really there really is and that's the exciting part for me is I get to talk about some movies that I have spoke about at length on on podcasts under the stairs but some movies that I have you know mentioned in the passing but never like really had a chance to kind of get into exploring so that's where the mm-hmm. fun will flag up uh, and we'll, we'll yeah. see we'll see where it lands uh, and there's a good mix of people in there you, you never know there could be uh, another cemetery man row it's inevitable Andy it's <laughs> fucking, in, fucking inevitable yeah. um, so we're, we're already there's already a couple of controversial things which uh, I'll fill you in at another cool. time on in the background which will give you a laugh um, specifically about when movies have been released and um, 
uh, other bits and bobs. <laughs> so, uh, God, every fucking year. Every, every year, buddy. Year. Uh, that's not a horror movie. That's not a fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> True, though, isn't it? I bet you've already had it. I bet you've already had the that's not a horror movie argument already. Uh, maybe, like, maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't guarantee they won't spill it into the show. So. People will never learn. They never learn. They never learn. I'll tell you what I will never learn. I'll never learn the fact that Andy Blockley might not have it in him to love an art house horror movie. But we'll find out. Eyes of My Mother Who will knows? be coming in about a month's time. As always, cool. uh, there's so many places that you can check out the show. Just subscribe wherever you're listening to us now and that way you don't miss out on them. Visit our website. It's tputzcast.com. You can uh, support the show by buying merch from tputzcast.bigcartel.com. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. You can visit the Teaputz Collective Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can reach out and touch myself and the Baz and the Twin Prongs of social media sexness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at tputzcast. And uh, yeah, the podcast Under the Stairs will return real fucking soon to your feeds with more shenanigans than you can shake a stick at. Andy Blockley, as always, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? Yeah, bye listeners. Thanks for listening to me just talk about repulsion for about 10% of the time (laughs) we're online. This episode is over an hour and three quarters long. And it is packed with all kinds of fucking bullshit, isn't it? Jesus the best Christ, kind. The... The, the best <laughs> kind of bullshit. Uh, if you're going to yeah. bullshit, do the best kind. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, right, oh. folks, please take care of yourselves out there. Um, wherever you are, what the time zone is, and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. <laughs>